Try Cora's cult favorite tampons today, without joining a cult. Cora's number one selling 100% organic cotton tampons are made without pesticides, chlorine, or rayon. Whether it's a definitely flowing super plus day or a barely there light day, you can rest or rally easy knowing Cora's got you covered. Plus, with every purchase, Cora donates period products to people in need. Find Cora nationwide at Target, CVS, and online at cora.life. Hey everybody, Patrick Connor here, and welcome back to the Knuckles and Gloves podcast. It's history time again. I mean, not that that's a, a surprise, but I'm here with my dude, Bryn Jonathan Butler, who is, of course, author, filmmaker, and my pal. And man, we got some slightly more contemporary fights to talk about, but some fun ones nonetheless. You know, definitely, a, I think, a modern trilogy classic, if you will. Uh, maybe not saying a lot about the quality of modern boxing, but nonetheless, considered a modern classic trilogy yeah i think i think you hit the nail on the head that it's about conflating the quality of the rivalry and the chemistry that these two guys had which is undeniable i mean extraordinary moments in these three fights that do rival anything in history it doesn't necessarily speak to the stature of where they belong in heavyweight history that this rivalry between the two of them was fun to watch but it's not the most important rivalry ever it's not, you know, Tyson Fury is not the greatest heavyweight ever, um, but you do get echoes of great trilogies of the past. And there are a lot of moments that I've written down watching these 30 rounds that these two guys had that are extraordinary 30 rounds in heavyweight history. No question in terms of action generated and the way it goes back and forth, the knockdowns, the drama. But it's kind of like saying, you know, Mickey Ward, Arturo Gatti, the excitement it generated, incredible you know, in, in the history of boxing, in terms of overall importance of where the guy stood, much less so, which is which is okay, but don't conflate the two. Um, exactly. But, but I think that there there is a real case to be made of what Fury does in this does remind me a lot of moments that you, you see in these great trilogies with Ali and Frazier, Ali and Foreman. Like there are echoes of it, the way he is able to perform against adversity. And we also have to remember, as we look back at Deontay Wilder, don't forget the role that he inhabited in boxing going into this fight with the highest knockout percentage ever. Granted, not against elite, a great resume, uh, coming off of King Kong, Luis Ortiz did not look epically great. And, and certainly even the rematch also didn't look great in, in moments. But the way people were talking about him, we have to remember that he wasn't just the favorite in the first fight. He was the favorite in the second fight. So we need to just keep in mind the perception of what these two guys were and also remember the context that that Tyson Fury is coming in with these fights where there's no way to have been able to come back from being 400 pounds, seriously mentally ill, likely suicidal. I think he talked about suicidal ideation. There's drug problems. There's a total lack of focus, mental meltdown. And suddenly he gets back in shape. Nobody believed he could do it. I mean, I think everybody wrote him off. This is an incredible comeback in all of sports, what he was able to do with this. 
it's just don't say that that means it's the most important fight in heavyweight history. It it's just the most important fight in our current era. So that that recency bias is an important thing to keep in check. I think with this, you know, and it, it kind of says a lot um, that you know putting a little bit of context here, right? Because I'm I was looking over Tyson Fury's record for this because of of course we are. And, um, you know, like you said, just adding context to where both of these fighters were and how they were perceived by the public, et cetera, going into into the first fight, which, by the way, was almost five years ago. Ugh, time's going by really fucking fast. Jesus yeah. Christ. Anyway, uh, <laughs> basically, we're looking at a situation where Tyson Fury, as it stands right now, has been a, the heavyweight champion for almost eight years. Eight. Like, eek. Joe, Joe Lewis was heavyweight champion for 12 years. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> including including a portion of it where he had to take off and go fucking, you know, well, not exactly fight, but, you know, nonetheless serve in sure. World War II. I, you know, Tyson Fury took off a portion of it to go serve himself a plate of fucking charcuterie. So. <laughs> well, well, and I think also we need to remember that Tyson Fury going into this was not looking like what we now, like many people now in this recency bias, oh my God, he, he's the greatest heavyweight ever. Who could contend with Tyson Fury? He did not look great against Klitschko, against a really bad looking Klitschko. He did the job to win that fight. I'm not contesting that at all. But you didn't look at that and say, that is clearly the greatest heavyweight ever. You just went. And it was unexpected. It wasn't, and it was unexpected. It, it wasn't like people saw that performance and went, yep, uh-huh. I knew it the whole time. Most yeah. people were like, holy shit, I didn't think Tyson Fury had that in him. So no. it's like, yeah, it wasn't like he was this all along. Dude, he was getting dropped by USS Cunningham you know, a couple exactly of years ago. Right. That's exactly right. He was dropped unexpectedly. So there's kind of questions about his chin, questions about his qualities of opponents, questions about his his focus. His body made you think this guy does not look in great shape. He kind of looks like the older guys in the 70s and 60s that never look amazing. Um, unlike now where the expectation is that everybody looks like Ken Norton, which I'm sure has absolutely nothing to do with performance enhancing drugs. I just want to stress nothing to do with performance enhancing drugs suddenly making that the baseline in all sports uh but no like fury Fury, that that reminds me victor conti's got a netflix special coming out soon so catch that (laughs) which has nothing to do with people potentially using performance enhancing drugs ever no ever ever but no i just fury is one that is fundamentally a profound curveball in his sport you just don't understand what it is and it surprises you and it's misunderstood, but that's not, that's not that unusual. Ali was an underdog in most of his big fights, which, which people forget when they look back on it, like they know it with Foreman, but they didn't know it was also the case, you know, with, with Liston both times. Um, I'm trying to think like uh, Joe Lewis, like you mentioned earlier, Joe Lewis coming back to fight Rocky Marciano was a fairly heavy favorite in that fight go watch that fight and look like look look at what the boxing experts were looking at to come up with that so we don't always know what we're seeing as we're looking at something and fury is a prime example of that but he also is somebody who's kind of a curveball in his own life He, he is not andre ward in terms of being perfectly prepared disciplined and hyper controlled 
in sort of what he's bringing to the ring each and every time, or Floyd Mayweather for that matter. He is erratic. He's he he has a lot of instability mentally, physically. His training, he's dealing with a lot. So I does should that add to the accomplishments that he's had? For many, it absolutely does. And for other people, you'd say, I mean, I think Mike Tyson made the point, any great champion needs to be assessed on the basis of longevity. And Fury is still undefeated, but both these guys are going into this fight sort of like Tyson and Frazier. They're coming in undefeated. Uh, You've got a guy where if he lands anything with his right hand, he's knocked out 98% of what's been in front of him with Deontay Wilder. They are going to be the biggest heavyweights to ever fight in a in a championship, and they also just have tremendous reach. So I don't think they've ever dealt with anybody that has like an eighty five inch and an eighty three inch reach when they're facing one another. So it's a uh, it has a lot of stuff on paper that I, I find it fascinating the way it was assessed at the time versus how we look back on it has totally changed. So. Um, I was just trying to like wrap my head around that in terms of, you know, they, they were not making $20 million each. I mean, let's remember Jerry Cooney fighting Larry Holmes was the biggest payday in boxing history. 1980 or whatever it was, was $10 million a piece for that. Well, fast forward, as you're saying to 2018, you've got purses of like, I think it's $3 million, $4 million for Wilder, $3 million for Fury. So don't forget that when you're thinking about what, you know, where the public was in terms of fascination and interest in this fight. That's where these two undefeated guys were in terms of, um, you know, promoters investing in it. Well, and and the fight also happened at Staples Center. And so Deontay Wilder already historically at 2018 has proven that he's not a big draw outside of Tuscaloosa. I mean, I'm not trying to be funny either. He's just, he's even now not a massive draw, but a bigger draw now after this trilogy for sure. Uh, but going into in 2018, you know, he's not a massive draw. Tyson Fury is while he obviously has rabid fans on the Internet, it's not clear whether or not there's going to be a lot of fans like, for instance, a Ricky Hatton that are going to travel over to a Los Angeles or a Vegas or whatever. You know, and so in 2018, it wasn't we weren't really sure. Like you said, there's a lot of questions. And Deontay Wilder has a lot of fucking baggage coming into this fight, too, in the sense that. Um, you know, uh, early on, a lot of people forget that he was promoted by Golden Boy. Golden Boy picked him up and he was, you know, the bronze bomber. They had this thing, but then they kind of like, they kind of really stepped back. And Deontay Wilder was fought, fighting on a lot of like strange cards and a lot of far f- flung places in the, you know, US backwoods cards that are like, if you look now, they're on YouTube, super grainy, shitty video quality and shit like that. And we're talking about like, you know, 2009, 2010, like not even that long ago. But nonetheless, uh, you know, he had really built up a record against very subpar opposition and even against some of them looked really crappy. And so there was a lot of doubt, uh, myself included, even after he had gotten picked up and started, you know, beating the crap out of guys like, uh, you know, oddly, oddly Harrison and shit like that. I was just kind of like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, this doesn't tell me anything, you know, like he's. He's being the shit out of guys he's supposed to beat the shit out of in easily. It, I don't know. I'm not learning anything. And so there's a lot, there was a lot to answer for even going into this fight in 2018, even though it was clear the, the big uh, question that we had answered was, you know, is his power legit? Obviously 
the dude can massively punch but yeah. it was the contrast of okay he's going in against somebody who we know can perform it's just that the person who we know can, work, can perform tyson fury is at a very strange place in his life and career and we don't know what this is so where are we here and that's kind of like and you could see it uh tyson fury looks out of shape he's got a big spare tire um you know i mean he's he kind of has always looked like that since he hit the big time basically but um yeah there were a ton and ton a ton of questions uh going into this first fight even though uh like you said this was two of the top heavyweights getting in and it was like all right we're gonna kind of iron some shit out here you know we're gonna figure out who's the best blah 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 and i mean that's just it just speaks to the quality of the division unfortunately no, I, I totally agree. I think that's a great point to remember. Fury's come down from 400 pounds. I mean, there are videos of him running around. He is gigantic. He's morbidly obese. So he gets down in this fight to 256. So, I mean, loses a, a, a 10 stone, as, as he would say, coming into this. Wilder's 212. And, you know, it's it's weird because this was a fight. I don't know that we've done any fights where... I was kind of at the camp reporting on it, actually, in the case of this one, where I, I was with Wilder. I did a profile for, at the time, it was called ESPN's Undefeated Magazine with, with a focus on African-American subjects. Um, and I was in his camp for about a week, and he was specifically bringing in sort of opponents that, that represented as much as they possibly could Tyson Fury-like physical dimensions. And it was extraordinary to go down to Tuscaloosa to, to see him. He, I have never seen a professional fighter, let alone a world champion, at his level of just how basic he is when you're seeing his skills and fundamentals. I mean, he began boxing at 19. A lot of people know this. 19, whereas Tyson Fury probably was boxing in his mother's womb by comparison. But Wilder looks like a guy who's on stilts which are on roller skates when he's moving around a ring i've i've never seen shadow boxing like he did for four rounds i have no idea who designed that that routine that he was doing because it had nothing to do with fighting he lost almost almost to every sparring partner in every round that i watched and there was a huge cadre of UK journalists who were there. And I went over to them kind of one by one and said, what do you, well, how do you see this unfolding? What do you, what do you expect is going to happen? You've been here a few more days than I have. What you saw the beginning of sparring. I'm watching the last two days of it. And they went, our best guess is that if he doesn't knock Fury out, he will lose every single, every minute of every round against him, which is interesting because over the next 30 odd rounds of this trilogy, that almost is completely true. He loses almost every round where he isn't knocked down, where he doesn't where he doesn't knock him down rather. And um, Wilder is the first U.S. champ in a decade after after Shannon Briggs. So so the U.S. is in a weird place that we're kind of moving away from boxing, as you say. Like U.K. fans are the most rabid boxing fans in the world, arguably. I mean. Uh, in terms of traveling all over the world to attend fights to back up their fighters, we don't do that. Like, you know, none of, none of the fans Ow. from Vegas or, or Madison Square Garden do that. Yeah, if there's some American fighting in like London, dude, there's not going to be Never. a section of Americans that are like, we're all in USA. And if they would, they'd probably get fucking chased out. 
Yeah. And, and we're in a, you know, Wilder has made six six successful title defenses. Joshua has the title at this point over Klitschko in an epic heavyweight championship fight. One of the most memorable heavyweight championship fights that you think Joshua clearly is the class of the heavyweight division and could be an all-time great. And now he's probably viewed beneath these two guys, which is sort of fascinating. And I think we're probably going to have Wilder Joshua down the road, possibly, possibly Wilder and, so. and Ruiz before we get that, which also, you know, the man obviously who dethroned Joshua, which was one of the weirdest fights I've ever attended at MSG. Um, but Wilder and Joshua were unable to make a title fight at this time, which is why we get this. So there was a sense like, eh, we, you know, this is okay. This is pretty good, but we want to see this other one. So that was why this was a fight that only did 325,000 pay-per-views, despite two undefeated guys and one of the all-time great knockout punchers and Tyson Fury, one of the all-time great characters. But there wasn't that much money that these guys were generating. Just as you said, Wilder has never been able to sell tickets particularly well anywhere. And Fury, Fury definitely can in the UK, but at this point, not necessarily an American draw, which I think is borne out by where, where the public was, where critics were in terms of making him the underdog in this fight. And, um, and it's just a weird, it's a weird opening. It's weird to go back to this at the Staples Center because I've never, like, like Wilder's trying to shape this public perception, the whole bomb squad thing. He comes out in this weird eyes wide shut, campy BDSM kind of glittery gold crown and and mask. And I don't understand how anybody in his corner kept a straight face. And and one last point just about being in his camp is as much as I'm kind of knocking what I saw, including Mark Breland directly telling me, I asked Breland, at what age were you able to do what he's doing now as a heavyweight champion of some years standing? And he said, like, nine years old. He's at about the skill level I had at nine, but he said, but it's the heavyweights. You don't need skill if you can punch. And in terms of his ability to punch, I will say he is the worst boxer I've ever seen to ever be called a champion at anything, but he has the most deadly weapon I've ever seen with his right hand. And you saw it in sparring. He was not trying to kill guys with it, but it is so inexplicably amazing to see how he closes distance and throws that thing, given he has no balance, no coordination whatsoever, no rhythm or timing at all. He is on stilts on roller skates as he moves around. There's no combination he throws where he doesn't give away his balance. And yet that right hand is so extraordinary, which is what makes this so interesting because Fury is such an extraordinary boxer with 85 inch reach, with tremendous skill, tremendous balance, his mental ability to stay focused, um, to not get rattled in the ring, his ring IQ, all of this is off the charts but he's contending with the greatest weapon that boxing has ever had in a, in a detonation kind of way. This is what I think allows people to move into this hyperbole about this fight and go, oh my God, it's the most important thing ever. It's just a really exciting recipe, I think, more like Lyle Foreman. And like, oh, that's not to denigrate it. That was, it's extraordinary to go back and watch. But if these guys were in the 1990s contending against Abiyabuchi, Lennox Lewis, Evander Holyfield, Riddick Bowe, um, Tommy Morrison, David Tua, I don't know that either of these guys beats them 60% of the time. 
I just like I I think they'd have real trouble. Uh, you know, so it, it's a great it's a great rivalry, but in terms of the trilogy's importance because of their respective stature, I think that's been way overblown personally. Yeah, and and, and when we talk about the what they look like and how hard they hit or how, their size or whatever, I, I don't think that should be downplayed. But I think that kind of falls into it's a somewhat it's it it's part of the recency bias, I think, but it's also that in my opinion, trap where, and we'll get to the fight in just a sec, I swear, but that part of that trap where uh, a lot of people say things like, oh, well, athletes are better now. They're bigger now. They're stronger now. I mean, yeah, to some degree, sure, they are. But at the same time, it's already been proven. And I'm not talking about, you know, like, like anecdotally. We've fucking seen it time and again that size can be totally obliterated. In, not even just at heavyweight, you know, like a little guy can beat a big guy or a little fighter can beat a big fighter. It it has nothing to do with any of that. So I don't really give a shit about the quality of athletes or the nutrition, all that type of stuff. Yeah, no question you put either of these fighters in a different era and a much better era. They're probably getting their asses kicked, man. You know, they can't be coming the Tyson Fury can't be coming to the ring at like 250, 260, whatever. No, that ain't going to work. It's not going to work for 15 rounds, for especially. So, you know, getting to the fight itself, um, you know, one thing that we have said a number of different times on these shows and recapping contemporary fights is good fights, you know, or good moments and fights, they're fun. But when you put it and slap it on a heavyweight boxing, it just tends to dial it up a notch. It just tends to be a little bit different. And that was the case with, I think, uh, at least two of these three fights. And the first fight, it definitely had a lot of tension to it. There was definitely kind of that feeling as you're watching round one, for instance, of the first fight, like, you know, what's going to happen? There's a lot of kind of uh, potential energy and stuff like that. And I will say, in all of these fights, um, less so the second than the first and third but the first and third particularly wilder actually starts out and you're kind of thinking like okay okay you know he's jabbing he's he's moving all right like he seems like he's kind of setting he's setting uh his feet he's jabbing real nice getting a nice body jab and i'm kind of thinking like, all right and i don't i don't remember him kind of like starting out looking this good <laughs> but he did kind of start out looking good in that first fight in my opinion well, and he's got all the confidence going into this. He's won 40 fights and he's knocked 39 of those guys out. You know, he's six foot seven. He's got an 83 inch reach. He has one of the great weapons ever in, in the whole sport. Um, and I think he's believing the hype. And I think a lot of that's built on delusion, but he doesn't care. And and he's got that confidence going in. I, I If I hit you, you fall kind of thing. So he goes into this confident. I think the other element of it, which is exactly what you're saying, is you've got big noise from this crowd. L.A. immediately seeing these guys together, they sense the bad blood, they sense an epic rivalry, and it's an absolute world-class rivalry, but you feel this energy kind of raise out from these guys that that if this fight can, le can, can match their dislike and the tension that they both have, this could be something special. Almost never it is. But suddenly you start getting this feeling like you catch on to the delusion that maybe it will be. And they're so big. They're so tall, you know, six, six, seven and six, nine. And you're also seeing a little bit that Wilder, how often is Wilder looking up at a guy? How often is Wilder being caught by punches at distance? 
and also somebody who can fight on the inside with him, who who's stronger, bigger, um, and and yet Fury is also contending with a lot of the the stigma of Wilder's ability, how dangerous he is. So he's not fighting in a way you're going to see in the second and third fight. He's not willing to be a boss in this fight. You hear in his corner, round after round, don't get greedy. Don't get greedy. Be conservative. Stick to a game plan. Do the things we're teaching you in terms of utilizing your jab. But key thing is focus on your defense to get away from these punches. And you're going to see that Fury's head movement is faster than the hand speed of Wilder. And I don't know how much credit Fury gets, but that's something for a guy his size. I don't think there's any equal to Fury that I've ever seen in my life is he does not move like anybody remotely his size in terms of head movement, defense. And then you've got his poise and composure like Ali. And I I don't make that a light comparison. He is facing down immense danger and while he's facing it, he gets looser and more relaxed and more composed. That is extraordinarily rare. And you're going to see as the fights go on, this fight and the other ones, that Wilder is dealing with the mental stress of somebody who is thrilled to be in front of him. That is not something that Wilder sees in the faces of his opponents very often <laughs> at all. And Fury, Fury just has a look of determination. Even when he gets knocked down, his face never looks like what am I going to do? It kind of looks like Buster Douglas getting dropped by Tyson. God damn, I fucked up. Get up. Do what I'm here to do. Knock this fucking guy out. And, and Fury has that from the beginning. I don't know where it comes from, but he has a kind of fearlessness. That it's, it's like turning it into a game a little bit. So yeah. first, first round, I agree with you. Wilder's coming in. I'm 40 and 0. I'm the favorite. I'm the boss. And Fury, I know, can move a little better than I can. It's just a matter of time before I drop the right hand. And so he looks a little stiff. That's just the way he is. In my notes, I have, I'm somebody that has spent a lot of time watching Felix Sabone. Uh, I see a lot of overlap between the two of them, except Felix Sabone can move. And (laughs) Wilder cannot move. So he's dealing with the range issue, he's never had somebody where he's held accountable the way that Fury can hold him accountable with an 85-inch reach, plus he can bounce around and move. And also Fury is able to back away and turn away from punches that come at him. So even if he's he's hit and even hit cleanly, he's taking a lot off those punches in a way that we just haven't seen anybody do with Wilder before, which could lead him sort of uh, consciously to assume like, why isn't he responding to the punches I'm landing the way everybody else does? But it's just because Fury is is always ready to move away from things. He's not just committing and coming forward. Um, He's anticipating stuff coming at him. And I think he wants to drag this fight on. He's curious about the stamina that Wilder has. So I thought it was a, a first round that Wilder was winning pretty comfortably. And then according to my scoring, just at the end, Fury... Mm-hmm gets aggressive and i thought it's kind of he he stole a very close round but uh yeah but i would have no problem if you gave it gave it to wilder i just thought fury just did just enough at the end to land the biggest punch of the round and whatever bias i have toward people doing that he he succeeded in in getting it from me and the last little point i have is just that the announcing that pbc had for this fight is singularly fucking terrible it is horrible. Yeah. Like I would rather listen to this on mute or fucking have whale sounds playing. Like it's just awful. I muted it. 
Yeah, I, I honestly did. And so I could see the crowd reacting in the background. So I couldn't hear them because I honestly like it was so bad that um, I, I, I'm not even going to name names. I don't even want to give the dude any fucking attention. But it was so bad that I even told you before we started recording the moments where I was like, I want to hear what's going on. And there was like just stupid ass shouting. Just like, like, you know, for no reason at times too. like, there wasn't like massive action. Like they weren't exchanging. They were just like colliding. And it was like, Oh my God, it was terrible. It was really bad. So I had to mute it. Um, But yeah, I, I totally agree. Tyson Fury right toward the end of the round landed a right hand that almost looked toward the back of uh, Deontay Wilder's head. The problem was Deontay Wilder's kind of, you know, slipping and sliding and doing that type of shit. And so when punches land on the back of your head, when you're moving that way, it's kind of, that's just kind of your fault. You can't take away a fighter's target and then say, well, he's punching me on the back of my, no, dude, you can't do that. And so, yeah, I agree. I thought Tyson Fury should have taken the round, but uh, one thing, Deontay Wilder, if you gave him the round, wouldn't argue with you too much. However, uh, on the hind end of that, I think that Deontay Wilder's confidence really just played perfectly in uh, Tyson Fury's plan because, yeah, he was jabbing well. He was doing fairly well from the onset, Wilder, that is. But he immediately moved into playing Tyson Fury's game. He yep. didn't go in and try to, like, he wasn't, like, stalking him. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't, like, really trying to set up a shot. Maybe he was in his mind. But really what he was doing was just kind of walking into Tyson Fury's wheelhouse, playing his game, um, you know, and he, he might not have realized that as he was doing it. And and again, you know, it, the window, it doesn't need to be open for a very long time. Deontay Wilder just needs to get through it. But even so, uh, one of the big issues stylistically or tactically is that Deontay Wilder is looking so hard for his right hand that he does something that, you know, a lot of trainers call cocking the right hand. And so like, it almost looks like you're doing a bow and arrow, like you're, you know, you're jabbing and you're going like this, cause you're going to throw your right hand and you could see that <laughs> that's, that's visible. That's... So if you're sitting there going like this the entire time, and I remember Bernard Hopkins talking about that with Jermaine Taylor and shit. I mean, he's still lost, but <laughs> nonetheless, point being, you know, you see that with Deontay Wilder, it becomes so obvious. He's trying to land his right hand that it's like, you know, it, it, it's scary as shit when he throws it. But that said, yeah, agreed. Tyson Fury, and then he's uh, going in a round two. You know, um, again, I think that this is the problem is Wilder's already played into Tyson Fury's hand. The pace is slow. They're jabbing at each other. They're just kind of angling around. It's Tyson Fury's round, and it kind of becomes a bit of a trend uh, where there's not much Wilder's doing in terms of damage in the meanwhile. Uh, and he's not landing jabs like he he is landing jabs, but they're not doing damage like they're not damaging jabs. They're kind of probing jabs and again, playing Tyson Fury's game. And yeah, it's just playing right into his hand. And there's no urgency as rounds go by is the problem. That's a good point. I, and, and I mean, one thing at the end of the first round is you have Wilder complaining to the referee about the hit to the back of the head. Mm -hmm. and psychically in terms of the psychology of the fight i think what fury noticed that and went with all of the bluster that wilder's been offering into the lead-up of this fight he's looking for help he's looking to complain it, it, there's a he's looking for advantages already you know and, and he's worried about that he can't do it himself and you hear this that's not just my my sort of take on 
the some of the psychology dynamics in the ring like that's something that Andre Ward talks about a lot and I think he's dead on is when guys are looking to the referee to kind of step in on their behalf you can you see it all over the place with Mike Tyson early on when he's confident he doesn't pay any attention to the referee ever he's fouling indiscriminately toward the end of his career he's why aren't you protecting me why are you didn't you see what he did and there's an element of that is not expected from Wilder a guy with that right hand that's your equalizer. But you can see him thinking, I don't know if it's enough. I don't know. what. Hey, don't let him do that to me. Please protect me sort of thing. So I think Fury sees that and he's in his head. And Fury is a master at mind games. You're going to see that, that when Fury mentions before one fight and says, I'm going to come in, I'm heavier, I'm better. I chose to be this way. I'm going to be the boss. And everybody goes, you're out of shape and you're lazy. That's why he's the underdog in the second fight. And then he does the exact script he's told you, but we assume it's all mind games. The mind game is he's just telling you the truth. He's just giving you, here's exactly my game plan of what I'm going to do. And then watch me go out and do it and succeed at it. So I think Fury deserves a lot of credit for his mind games. And I think in the second round, the other thing he deserves credit for is his boxing fundamentals his jab is exceptional and he also has this incredible 85 inch reach to just have this whip of a jab that he's just flinging out there and with the kind of horrendous footwork that wilder has he's not going to get away from that he doesn't know where to go he's not a lateral mover he's not trying to create angles he wants to land the right hand that's it there's no plan b and normally there doesn't have to be a plan b he's floored everybody except one guy going into this so he is perpetually off balance and he's off balance every time he throws a punch and he's off balance every time he takes a step back. And those are the only two modes he's going to have in the entire trilogy. He's never circling. He's never trying to create anything. It's as you say, cock the right hand, throw it through the target. And if, if I make contact half the time, the guy's going to fall, even if it's like a grazing blow. Uh, so he's not able to land it yet, but you just see him off balance a lot. He is able to land a shot at the end of the, of the round, which shows the danger. I think it, Fury recognizes this punching power is for real. It's not about that none of his opponents had a chin. It's that he does have this kind of incredible otherworldly power. But still, Fury's up two zip. And getting into the third, Wilder's movement does improve. Um, his jab... One note I had is just that his jab is so uneducated. I don't know why he's throwing it. He throws it in places where it doesn't make, it's of no strategic advantage. It's not to disrupt his opponent. It's not to land a hurtful shot. It's not to break up his flow. I don't know why he's th- it's just, maybe I'll throw this out there and see what happens kind of thing. It's It's really bizarre because when he does throw it really well, it's like, Jesus, how does he not have a trainer that's just giving him this as a weapon? Because he'd be impossible to stop if he had a great jab with that right hand. He almost never sets up the right hand with his jab either. So it's the most uneducated jab I've ever seen with with a heavyweight champion. And he's got this reach. He's got everything to make it a great weapon. I don't know what his trainers were doing. I didn't know what his trainers were doing when I was there in Tuscaloosa. But yeah, great champ, like four rounds of, of uh, shadow boxing where he accomplished nothing. They're like, incredible. You looked amazing. I, I've seen five-year-olds shadow box with more purpose. So the third round just doesn't really change where the note I have is just, the why is he throwing that jab? 
when is he throwing that jab and where is he throwing that jab and to set up what? I have no idea how to answer those questions if I'm in his corner. And Wilder just is loading up more with one of the most telegraphed right hands I've ever seen. And uh, the strategy doesn't make any sense if there is any strategy. And his chin, when he's taking any kind of shots that Fury is landing, and again, Fury is not pouring on at this point. Fury is unwilling to be a boss, but Fury is definitely demonstrating that he's kind of a puncher too. And I don't think anybody saw that he was that. And it's not just because Wilder has a shitty chin. I don't think Wilder has a world-class chin. Um, his but balance is so bad. His balance is so bad. And, and Fury has enough power. The physics of Fury at 250. It's like Hamed. Yeah. It's like when he gets he gets caught and it's like he gets caught off balance or squared up. And so when Fury gets caught, or I'm sorry, when Wilder gets caught, it's like he like freezes for a sec. Yeah. And and it makes it look worse than it actually is, or it makes it it makes him absorb more of it than he would if he would just take some, you know, mustard off or slip slot, you know, whatever. But that's not the kind of fighter he is, obviously, you know. No balance. No, like just zero. And that's it's kind of crazy. What's the most transferable skill to being a good boxer, being a good dancer? That's why the Cubans are the best. They're the best dancers in the world. They've invented the most forms of dancing in the world. Their babies can dance. And uh, I don't know what it is about Wilder, but he has no rhythm. He has no balance. Uh, you know, I apparently was a very good basketball player and a good, I think he was a wide receiver in Tuscaloosa in high school, but uh, none of that translated whatsoever to. to I balance. mean, he's obviously athletic. You know, Obviously but, athletic, just no balance. But there's, but you, as we already know and have seen, especially in the heavyweight division, there's no the correlation between athleticism and boxing skill is not nearly as strong as you might think. Well, just just if you want to check out what we're saying, if you think it's about bias, stop watching their punches and start watching below the waist how their feet are moving, and tell me that that looks like a professional athlete's feet. Like, like, and after that, go watch Muhammad Ali, even as a 40 year old man fighting Larry Holmes, probably suffering from Parkinson's syndrome. He still looks like worlds away from Deontay Wilder's. What was, what was the dude that was big for a, a couple of years back that uh, Jonathan Banks wound up whooping his ass real bad? Oh, yeah. Uh, what? Jared, no. Whatever. Right. Anyway, you know who I'm talking about. But Michael Grant, you know, et cetera. There are a lot of these fighters who have come to boxing from other sports late in life. And that, yeah, they look great. You know, you can teach them how to throw a good punch, but like then you look at their footwork and they're all over the place. And that's the type of shit that you develop over years, sometimes a, a decade. So, you know. Yeah. Nope. So, hold on. Give me just one sec. My yeah, internet's yeah, yeah. kind of going in and out, but it should come on in a sec. In any case, yeah, uh, you could see athletically that it's it's not the same. And in here, uh, at least in Deontay Wilder's case, he does kind of look like another an athlete who came from another sport. He does. He just what what does happen to translate is just this extraordinary punching power. But in terms of every everything out, like if he couldn't punch, I don't. I think Michael Grant is a better fighter overall. I think he's a more far more complete fighter. Um, and I think nothing of Michael Grant in terms of being a world-class fighter. I mean, top 10 in his time. Yeah. Why, why not? He was devastating. He was six foot seven, He's almost like an overachiever, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 But, I, but I mean, it's like, you know, George Luis Gonzalez, who was supposed to be a phenom from Cuba and was just utterly demolished 
by Riddick Bowe. I, I just think Deontay Wilder against Riddick Bowe, I think Riddick Bowe wins nine out of 10 of those fights. Like, I mean, I mean, Bowe in shape, like Bowe Bo who fought Holyfield. I mean, how does Holyfield do against Deontay Wilder? I hate Evander Holyfield as a fighter, but still, like, he solved a lot of guys I didn't think he'd ever solve. You know? Uh, you know, Biabucci, you know, like, down the line, I just think, like, uh, this is a guy that has one answer to every problem. And, I mean, not everybody is a nail that this hammer can just boom. Uh, if, if you're, you know, you have enough ability to circle a guy like that, like, you know the script. So... You know, third round, I have it three nothing Fury. I, I don't have a problem if you have it two rounds to one for Fury, but at this point you're just thinking if he can't land that right hand, it's like those UK journalists told me, ooh, this could be just a route. Same. Yeah. I, I have it three zip. If you want to give uh Wilder the first round, I wouldn't be mad at you and I wouldn't argue too much. But um again, the problem is that Wilder's really buying into this. He's really and that that's one of the big issues with Tyson Fury. And that is a skill. Um, a lot of people kind of dismiss it. It's not a skill, but being able to convince your opponent to do what you want them to do is a skill. And again, I know that Tyson Fury is not Muhammad Ali. I'm not saying he is, but that's something that Muhammad Ali could do. Muhammad Ali could faint on you and you would bite on the faint because you don't know what the fuck he's going to do to you. And that's the kind of thing that Tyson Fury does. And that's how he beat Vladimir Klitschko. Like he fainted the living daylights out of him the entire fight. He got him biting the feints two rounds in and just thought, this is it. This is how I do it. I don't even need to really open up, just faint his ass. And he yeah. did. That's all he did. And so the same, similarly, he's got Deontay Wilder biting on feints. He's got him, you know, uh, jabbing and then fainting the jab. And Deontay Wilder is, whoa crossing up like he's going to try to parry it but like you know nothing's coming and so already Deontay Wilder's playing his game dude three rounds to zip for me going into the fourth round it's the same thing uh nothing is really changing every so often though Deontay Wilder has given us this little glimpse like he's you know throwing some nice body shots but they're like one off maybe two off he's not yeah. following up he's not being consistent with his offense he's not consistently throwing combinations he's just one jab maybe two jabs a big looping right hand or something like that. And there are these brief moments where it looks like, Ooh, you know, if he just adjusted this, he could, but no, that's not, that's not, that's not exactly how it's, how it's happening. So I wound up with four rounds to zip personally, cause it's just not, not, not enough is changing. Yeah. I mean, Fury's corner says to him, do not be greedy. He's not being greedy. He's being disciplined. He's got a good game plan. It's working out really well. Wilder, to his credit, begins to open up, but his hand speed is unable to catch up with Fury's head speed in terms of head movement and, and anticipating what's coming and finding creative angles to get away from it. Now, here's where we can get a little contentious, at least in subjectivity of scoring, is personally, I would give Fury some points on the basis of, of his defense, his defense being able to control the round effectively. Some people don't. They want like who landed more punches or better punches and all of that. So I I think I was a little generous for Wilder in the fourth round by scoring this round even, if we're allowed to score it even, because I just thought definitely Wilder was doing more offensively. I just thought it was completely counteracted by Fury. So I'm I'm gonna go even for, for that one. 
And in the fifth round, I just have that Fury is teaching Wilder to distrust his weapons. Is you're seeing as just as you were saying about Ali, you know, like both a of their activity dipped in round yep. five for sure. Yep, and he is forcing him at a with chess. Chess very quickly becomes one person playing for both players, and you're seeing Fury doing that mentally, his boxing IQ, his ring generalship, and and just all the mind games that have come into this. You can see in the, you look at their two faces. Wilder is using up a lot of his own energy with stress. Totally reasonable, totally understandable. Courage takes energy. You're you're fighting with that adrenaline that's just sapping you. Fury, probably because he's a little, got a few screws loose, is enjoying being there. And he's also disciplined as well, but he's not losing any energy other than what he's putting out. It, none of it's being taken away from his opponent. We don't see that very often at the highest level. That's Ali level. Tyson couldn't do that. Tyson was losing energy. He's hitting guys because I want to go home. <laughs> I don't I don't want to do this anymore. This is unnatural. But Fury is this kind of unnatural specimen in terms of whatever chemistry it has. It's like the guys who do the solo climbs and, and stuff like that. When they test them, they are not like normal people in how they deal with stress. And so they seek it out in this crazy kind of way. So this is this is something that Fury has that's almost on like an occult level in terms of um, his ability to just impose his will on the guy across from him. Part of it's competitiveness and part of it is this feeling that like, uh, I have a date with destiny here. I'm, I'm establishing my legacy. And you can feel that a little bit when you're watching this. And, and even though we're saying, you know, in many ways we're denigrating the legacy of Wilder, we're not saying anything about that right hand. That right hand could have taken out anybody in heavyweight history at any moment, no question. You get hit cleanly with that. All of those guys are dropping who are in the boxing hall of fame and that kind of thing. But the, uh, the mental toughness of fury here, his body language is saying, I'm here to win. And increasingly you're seeing Wilder saying, I have the courage to try to survive this, but I don't know if I can win this. I might get lucky with a punch, but I, I don't, I, I don't have more willpower than the guy in front of me. And it's tiring and it's stressful. And I'm having to hide my stress from the public seeing it and fury is revealing his character in terms of dominance um so it's close in in this round because i think wilder's doing his best to come on but it's a little desperate and so i now have fury up four rounds to nothing with one even and going into the sixth round between rounds i finally you know was able to unmute it because i'm like all right they're zooming in so maybe they're not yelling over it this time and thankfully they were not um, and so you could actually hear a voice in Wilder's corner, which I guess is JD's, but I'm not sure because he was off camera. Uh, but he's saying, you know, you're doing great. You know, just keep doing what you're doing, setting up, set up with the jab, set that knock. And I'm like, oh, dude, this is not good advice. You know, I mean, it's, it's one thing like you don't, it's tricky, dude. I'm not trying to like play Monday morning fucking trainer here. Cause I'm not dumb. And I know that like you, it's a fine line to walk between telling your fighter that they need to get in there and kick some ass and they need to get a knockout, but you don't want to destroy them. You don't want to be like, dude, you're not doing shit in there. What the fuck are you doing? You know, you know, you can't, that's not helpful to most fighters. You know what I mean? And so you can't be like, bro, what are you doing? You're just following this fucking guy around for five rounds. What are you doing? You know, yeah. like yeah, this, we're almost at the halfway point, but the total opposite is like you're doing great dude like you don't even need to change anything Oof, that's not the right advice it absolutely is not 
But funnily enough, in round six, I actually thought that Wilder um, he he did not do super great for the first two minutes, but in the last in the last minute or so, he got busy and was able to. Uh, he was like actually jabbing the shit out of Fury. Unfortunately, he wasn't setting anything up, <laughs> but he was jabbing him. And I was like, wow, okay. He actually kind of made the round close in the last portion of it. I still gave it to Fury, but I at least thought about it. I was like, well, okay. So, the same, thing. same thing. The tempo's up, which is fun. It's getting mo most exciting rounds so far. Both are trying to score uh, in a meaningful way and assert, but Fury's just outboxing him. And so it's it's a closer round for sure, but I, I gave it to Fury. And in round seven, Mark Breland is offering a lot of advice to Wilder, and there's no adjustment. And I don't think it's just that Wilder is disregarding it. I just think he's incapable of doing it. And so yeah. it, the seventh has the best exchanges of the fight mid-round. Fury lands two stiff right hands um, and avoids a Wilder shot. Um with with some tremendous movement because Wilder starts opening up too. And here it's like, you can hear the crowd getting into this. Ooh, this could be something special. But the problem that Wilder has is just how disciplined Fury is with his defense. He is just, and I think it's extremely rare that anybody that size gets away from the stuff that Wilder's throwing. He just happens to be fighting a guy that there's no precedent for somebody that size to be able to get away from punches the way he does it. He looks more like a middleweight doing it. And a lot of it is the upper body movement. It's not just footwork to create angles, which he does do as well. He turns and stuff like that. But it's he's in like a playful mode as he's doing the Matrix thing, kind of getting away from stuff. It's, it's really remarkable. And it must wear on Wilder because this is not what you're supposed to do. If I throw it, you're supposed to take it. <laughs> and he's not taking it. So... Fury, 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 just just coming on. Yep. Yeah, and and also you could see that Wilder's left eye starts to look a little puffed up coming out of an exchange. They're like you said, they're standing closer and kind of squaring up a little more. The oh. problem is that that is Wilder's best shot, and he's still missing it because Fury's slip slipping a lot of his offense in close, even in close and exchanges. So it's taken away Wilder's offense and likely his confidence in some level. So round seven, Fury, you know, so that's for me at least seven rounds to zip for Fury. Yeah. Uh, going into the eighth, same thing, except for a little bit of a change. Fury goes onto the front foot and starts looking a little bit more aggressive instead of kind of walking back and doing his, uh, you know, uh, footwork routine. He's looking a little bit more, a little bit more aggressive at the start of this round. Um, except for it doesn't last super long. He goes back to kind of just walking Wilder around the ring before too, too long. Bunch of jabs, Fury's picking off jabs, nice body jab from Wilder. You know, it, it's a similar a similar formula. When, when Wilder is opening up with some of these punches, it looks good. It looks like he's doing the right thing, but he can't uh, quite connect, and Fury is having better luck connecting with his own right hands as time goes by because Wilder's less able. He actually, at some points in this fight, in all three of these fights, th shows better defense than what you might expect because you'd think that if Fury's in there throwing, Wilder's going to eat everything, and he's not. He's actually, you know, he's kind of getting the way out of the way of some of that stuff. It's just that he's getting out of the way of less and less as time goes by. You could see Wilder getting tired. Fury, for that matter, is also getting tired, a little bit more stationary too, but it's just that 
Wilder has fewer options as that happens, and Fury has more. That's pretty much what it's coming down to. And I think I think another thing to Wilder's credit, to his character and to his willpower, is a lot of the ways that he's getting out of those combinations coming at him is he's firing back. He's not That's just true. taking them. He is disrupting them. And, <laughs> and he's disrupting them with, with meaning. Like there are bad intentions with the shots he's throwing back, and Fury knows it. Fury is well aware that uh, if he makes one mistake, as we're going to find out later on in this trilogy, um, th- there are serious, serious consequences. You you are a split second away from all of this being over, and you're just staring up at the lights as, as Wilder takes your championship and, and lineal title. So yeah, eighth round, I I think Wilder's hands are down. I don't understand that particularly. Um it's interesting that Fury is almost always throwing just arm punches. He often, he does that thing that Duran used to do, where as he throws a right hand, he will step over it and then like throw a hook with the right hand or throw throw a straight left. Like he's very comfortable shifting as he comes forward. It's remarkably difficult to do. Like you don't see heavyweights doing it. You see Duran doing it. You see some of the lower weight classes. You don't see cruiserweights doing it. You don't see super super middleweights doing it. But Fury can do it at six foot nine, two fifty. It's extraordinary. And clearly, Wilder has never faced anybody doing that. And none of his sparring partners were that good either to prepare him for this kind of footwork to set up punches. The way that Fury comes forward with shots and shifting his stance, it's fluid. It's just seamless. And He's demonstrating even with arm punches that he can kind of daze Wilder a little bit. So I just have that Wilder, Wilder's doing as much as he can, but Wilder's loading up on everything. Fury is willing to use arm punches to score. I wonder what would have happened if Wilder was willing to score with shots. The problem is, is that, as I mentioned earlier, every time he throws a combination, he falls over. He, if he throws a jab, he'll step back. He's off balance. As he's coming forward with like a, a two and a hook, you see him almost fall over. He he just is losing balance as he comes forward, which is really rare at the top level, let alone a heavyweight champion. But uh, in this case, he just doesn't have the tools to offset somebody who is so clever with their, with their boxing fundamentals as Fury. So eighth round, I mean, I have it set seven rounds for Fury and one even. And uh, going into the ninth, these guys seem tentative, awkward. Uh, Wilder's reputation keeping Fury at bay in terms of that right hand. He's still very aware of it. He hasn't accepted what he's seen so far after eight rounds that he can dominate. He can be a boss. So he's still keeping that distance and boxing smartly and with discipline. Uh, Wilder gets Fury on the ropes and opens up and drops him. And Wilder comes in. That is right, right? Am I am I wrong about that? That's the notes I have. He dropped him in the ninth, right? Yes, he did. Yeah. Okay. Fury kind of like hung around in close just a little too long. And Wilder just goes boop and he catches him with the right. And then Fury kind of like tries to dip down. And right as he tries to dip down, Wilder caught him kind of behind that's the right. ear. That's right. On the, on the t- yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Kind of like temple ear area. Temp- and he just temple goes down. Ear. Yeah. For, forgive me for just. We've got a lot of notes here, so I just want to be absolutely accurate. So, yeah, drops him. Wilder follows that up by coming in hot. And here's an interesting moment for Fury. I mean, this is the stuff we'll remember when he retires. How composed he is at that moment. 
You've got the most dangerous heavyweight in the world coming in to close the show in your days. And Fury doesn't look stressed at all. He looks up. Oh, I made a mistake. Back to the game plan. Be composed. And, and he is able to weather the storm as his head clears. And he even fires back and almost hurts Wilder. I think that sends a message yeah, back to backs him off pretty good, yeah. He does. So it's definitely a two-point two round for Wilder. But I think Fury has made as big a statement uh, getting up and not just getting up, but in no way being demoralized by what Wilder's been able to do. And that's a moment that I think has an echo with the Frazier Ali thing is as much as it is so iconic to see Ali drop the way he was by Frazier. It's even more impressive the way Ali responds by jumping up. And this is Fury's moment for that. And Fury, as much as he deserves credit for his moments of dominance it's the way he's dealt with adversity in this that I think is what's going to really make him remembered as somebody special after he walks away from the game. And this is a guy that is, he's, he's doing this against a guy that we've never seen anybody stand up to him and, and go, go against him in a way that they want to win. And he's still doing that as he's dazed and face the full force of, of taking a shot that drops him. And, and just the way the crowd is reacting tells you we, we know we're watching something kind of special, what these two guys have, not just going into it, but it's even better than we thought. Like what the recipe is, is even better as it comes out of the oven. So that this is where it really turns turns into, I think, what it becomes in the next two fights of there's there's just drama at every right. moment. Well, it went from a seven zero one or eight zero fight to all of a sudden, oh, shit, somebody's alive here. That's and right. And on top of that, we had most likely a first for a heavyweight title fight. And that was both fighters flicking their tongues at each other, like as if this is 1991 and they're both truckers trying to flag down a car full, full of girls. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's <laughs> like, I don't think that's ever happened in a heavyweight championship fight before, but it has now. It has now. Clear two-point round for Deontay Wilder. You know, yeah. it it wasn't like it was an extremely dominant round for him. But it was clearly uh, his round with that knockdown. And yeah, you know, it, it clearly set up also like, okay, this can happen. Like, it, you know, he's he's not just getting routed here. And so going into round 10, obviously, there's far more tension, uh, far more like, all right, you know, we got a fight here type of energy going on, except for, you know, Wilder just goes back to doing what he was doing before. You know, he doesn't he doesn't really make much of an adjustment. Uh, and that's, of course, assuming that he's capable of making a bunch of adjustments on the fly. I'm not entirely sure he is, but nonetheless, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't uh, do really anything. He doesn't like up his activity. He doesn't go after Fury. He doesn't go shit. OK, here, let me set the right hand up with a hook. No, he just kind of goes back to jabbing and following him. And, you know, uh, Fury kind of finds a little bit of a second wind and just goes also back to kind of that dominant tempo. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I had, I think I had a little bit more than that is I think that Fury begins to stalk Wilder here, which we hadn't really seen up to this point and becomes the aggressor is willing to assume that role here where you think Jesus, like after coming back from the previous round, that's an interesting response. That's pretty atypical. But what you're seeing is him developing a blueprint on the fly in the first 30 seconds of the round about how that his willingness to dominate and to be a boss with intelligent, measured pressure 
And, and that's going to be a template that he's going to implement in the next two fights. So I, th I thought this is kind of an important round in terms of what it, what it represents for Fury's receptivity to learning on the job. As much as the corner is providing him advice, he's gathering data. And this is very rare at this level. Floyd Mayweather did this better than anybody that I've ever seen in terms of what are the problems to solve? How many different plans can I implement to work out that problem? to figure out how to unlock this. And Fury is doing exactly the same thing. You're going to see it in the next two fights too, that as, as an uppercut works, he starts using it more. He starts trusting. He's willing to deviate and, and be creative in a way that most guys, it's just implement the plan that the coach has come up with. And the, the more accurate you can be in that, the better job you've done. Fury knows how to do that. He's known how to do that since he was 10 years old. Here it's I don't care about the danger. I'm I'm learning better ways to adapt, and I think the tenth round is is kind of a key thing for that. That's so, true. Yeah, it's a good point. So Fury Fury takes this round, uh, the eleventh. It's a weird round. It's tense. Both guys are stepping up the pace, but it doesn't kind of lead to to very much that's meaningful. Um, I had remembered as I watched all three of these fights that any round where Wilder did not knock Fury down, that he had lost the round. I saw it differently revisiting it. So I gave Wilder this round. Um, and then, you know, going into the 12, how did you see that, that one? I, I gave Tyson Fury the 11th, but I also did note that I thought that there was a really nice hook from Wilder and that it was a close round. And that, you know, if, if you gave Wilder that round, I wouldn't be mad. Um, but going into the 12th, while they're kind of stabbing to the body, I noted it's a nice jab. I, he's got a nice jab to the body when he used it. It just didn't do anything. It didn't go anywhere. <laughs> um, but Fury kind of seems like he wants to end the fight big. He's looking for a big right hand. Very good right hand from Wilder and a left. And then Fury's down. And one of the craziest things about this knockdown is that it almost seems like Fury sees it coming. Almost like he's kind of gotten a little tired. Like he you know, couldn't quite get out of the way of it. And then on top of that, I got to give Wilder credit because he follows up with a left hand that catches him on the way down. You know, one of those like yeah. almost a, a David to a John Ruiz situation, but obviously not that vicious. But uh, nonetheless, it was it was big, dude, because I remember it, watching this live and just being like, whoa, it's holy shit. I thought it was done. It, it's done. He's done. It's over. The ref's counting over him. He looks like he's like he had this look on his face like. You know, I'm like, oh, shit, he's knocked out. And then he stirs a little bit, and I'm like, no. And he gets up, and it's like, oh, shit. One of the greatest, you know, kind of meme video moments uh, after this fight that came out afterward was, I might have even been the same night, they had video of Deontay Wilder walking to the corner, and he's, like, doing this little shimmy and shit after the knockdown. And then Tyson Fury sits up, and he goes, like, like, Deontay Wilder looks at him like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, what do you think you're doing getting up? Are you fucking kidding me? You know, and, and so the, just the fact that that's what's so crazy is that Tyson Fury's reaction, oh, similar to which I don't want to steal it from you, but I'll, uh, Fraser Ali won because I bet you were going to say something. But sure. nonetheless, Tyson Fury getting up from it almost steals away from the knockdown. The knockdown was massive. And to get up from it has to be even more massive to take away from it. You know, that's what's so crazy. No, I mean, it's straight out of a Rocky script. Like we, we've moved out of just watching regular sports and we're into something metaphysical because 
the knockout was so iconic. And as you mentioned, what you the one little thing you left out is the moment that Wilder lands the second shot, he turns, does the guillotine of the neck and says it's over and looks away. It's this walk-off home run moment and everybody is on their feet. What could possibly surpass this dramatically? Nothing. And then at the nine count, it does. And then As you turn around up. and he's getting up. It's like, what? It's, it's, it's just, it's where a movie could never compete with it because it's real life. It, it, you wouldn't believe it in a movie. So yeah, this is too, contr- it's yeah, Stallone enough, but it's real life. And, and Fury is willing, you know, eight, some, where does this come from? Who knows? But he, he gets up. And it's exactly right, you know, in terms of the Ali Frazier thing. We thought we'd seen the audition for it earlier with with him getting up, but no, here it is. Arguably, it's even more iconic than Ali getting up. He's not as important a boxer, but within this fight, within this rivalry, within the excitement and drama of this fight, it's one of the great moments in heavyweight history. It ju- it just is. Is it the most it important big. moment? But it's unbelievable. It's to to come after that. It's, it's uh, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald getting murdered by Jack Ruby. How do you top JFK? How about you show the first fucking murder on television with Jack Ruby fucking shooting him in front of a bunch of cops? It's that kind of moment where you're in whiplash of the drama. So it's it's amazing. It's just amazing. And he he gets up and... You know, it's it's another 10-8 round for Wilder, but I mean, Jesus, this is a very easy fight to score. Even even I think I'm being generous for Wilder here, but somehow it's a draw. And uh, 27 journalists uh, who scored this fight, 15, I don't know who these journalists are. This is just from one article I read. Uh, 15 scored it for Fury, three for Wilder and nine a draw. I, I don't know how you get a draw or or a, a, a Wilder. I just don't know how you, I don't know what fight you were watching in this. No, I, I, I don't think that you can arrive at a draw watching the same fight that we watched. Look, it's, it, it was, there was a lot of excitement. You know what I mean? There was, there was a couple moments. The exciting moments were very exciting. Um, And like I said, going into the first fight, it, heavyweight boxing those exciting moments are almost amplified you know they're dialed up to 11 but it it didn't seem like a difficult sky uh, fight to score you know i at the end wound up like you said i round 12 10 8 deontay wilder even though tyson fury came back and looked like he briefly stunned wilder at the end yeah a lot of it was that wilder looked just exhausted you know he was like he was done for and how much of that exhaustion was like you said you know like you you're, this guy's fucking done for i just knocked him out and then you turn around and he's up and you're like what what dude so deflated fuck so how much of that was just that adrenaline dump you know who knows regardless i have it scored 116 110 tyson fury which is a very firm tyson fury win on my card you know yeah, me too. Me too. And one thing we didn't talk about is that because these guys have, it feels like they're kind of younger than they are in terms of just how long they've been on the scene of sports, especially in the United States. But Wilder's 33 when this fight happens. Fury is 30. I'm not saying they look physically younger, like they look appropriate, but I'm just saying like it, it feels different with them because it's like, are they really, have they really been 
where they are for as long as they are and, and are not 25, 26. Like Joshua seemed the appropriate age after Klitschko. Young guy, you've got maybe 10 years more of him kind of thing. But these guys are a little older, little, a little bit more. So, so yeah, weird, weird ending to it. So, of course, we need unfinished business, the rematch, as it's billed. Uh, February 22nd, 2020 at the MGM Grand. Wilder comes in 19 pounds heavier for this one, but Fury is 17 pounds heavier at 273. So we have on our hands the heaviest con contest between two guys in the history of the sport. And um, Wilder, again, slight favorite. I'm curious what they were watching that first fight that, that kind of gave them that impression. But... Um, you know, this fight has way more interest. This going into this, there is between 800 and 850,000 pay per views, almost a triple jump on the base of what happened on the basis of what happened on the first time. So, you you know, I mean, I think some some idiot compared it to maybe it was Brian Kenny or something like that. I, I say he's an idiot for this comment to Gaddy Ward as heavyweights. He's a generalized idiot, too. It's a yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of his commentary. I like his enthusiasm, but but it's all canned bullshit most of the time. I don't I don't even think he needs to watch the fight. It's just you know, I've every round I've got two or three things to say that you might remember me for saying. Um, Fury's weight, I think, is the number one reason why people dismissed him. They assumed that he just was undisciplined, maybe overconfident on the basis of the first fight. All of those issues that you know, getting up to 400 pounds, substance abuse, alcohol. He generally is just a very erratic person. Um, and he comes in and just says, look, I intended to be bigger. I, I made a mistake in the first fight being too light. I want to be stronger. I want to lean on him. I want to take away his energy. I'm going to come in like a boss and I'm going to knock him out. I think he predicted a knockout in the second round. And uh, I think everybody looked at that and they're like, clearly he's lying. It's mind games. It's, it's, you know, it's like Tyson after prison. I'm even better. I'm even more disciplined. Um, it was the opposite. It, it was the opposite. He just knew intimidation was the only way he could really beat most guys at that point who were at the top level. So extremely selective in who Tyson was fighting. I'm talking about Mike Tyson here. Um, but there was some kind of sense with Tyson Fury, his namesake, that it's all bullshit. But what does he proceed to do in this fight? Word for word, walk the walk of what he's been saying he's going to do, which nobody anticipates. And I remember at the time, you and I were talking about this fight uh, in the lead up to it. And at the end of it, mainly I feel wrong when I predict these fights, but I said to you, what if he actually just goes out and does exactly what he says? Like, what's going to happen? kind of thing and and i think i missed it by a round in terms of the knockout when it when it happened but it was really weird even just to watch it because i wasn't saying it from confidence i was just like what if he does just he really intend to do this what is going to happen and and why are we thinking that wilder can do anything about it didn't we just see fury like got caught by two punches in the last fight that were meaningful what if he doesn't get caught by them and, and adds added strength, more punching power, can lean on him to deplete more energy? Uh, I don't know that Wilder's coming into this fight with a lot of like brimming with confidence. So and and then the weirdness of of that 
Wilder comes into this fight wearing this bizarre BDSM Skeletor outfit that's 40 plus pounds, even though he used to train with well, like a and he 40, put on 20 pounds. And he put on 20 pounds and, nice. and he used to train wearing 40 pounds. So the excuse is really weird because that's how he trained. Um, but just said he knew the moment he took off the Skeletor outfit that's for Black History Month. I don't quite understand that correlation. Um, why Black History Month is really demanding you dress like Skeletor to your boxing match. Okay. Um, but takes it off and just said, after the fact, I immediately just did not feel like myself. And Fury comes in where that blueprint we talked about before, he he's ready to be the boss. He's ready to just take this, this whole thing over. And he's willing to risk fighting that way. There's a, there's a consequence, there's a serious risk fight to fight that way. But at this point, it's just like, fuck it. I'm, I'm not going to take a back seat. I'm not going to be cautious. Yeah. I'm going to be greedy and I'm going to go all in and let's see what happens. Let's roll the dice sort of thing. And uh, I mean, like, how did you see this? Like, how did you feel this was going to go in the lead up? Cause it's got way more interest in it now. Yeah, well, and I and you know the problem with a lot of these Tyson Fury fights is that there's so many asterisks, dude. You know that he fought this dude Tom Schwartz, this uh, this German heavyweight who was undefeated but pretty nondescript. You know, we didn't really learn much from that. But then he fought Otto Wallen, uh, you know, a Swedish dude who's a pretty good fighter actually, but not a lot of people knew a lot about him going into that fight. But then he kind of overperforms, perhaps. Tyson Fury doesn't look very good. Uh, in the meanwhile, Deontay Wilder, you know, uh, it, since the first fight, he's knocked out Dominic Brazil in one round. We learn nothing. Don, Dominic Brazil, all, all respect to, isn't very good. Who gives a shit? But then, of course, he's losing most rounds to Luis Ortiz in their rematch before knocking him. You know, I mean, and again, yeah. so it's like we don't really learn anything. There are all these, you know, uh, where do you go with this? You're kind of in the exact same spot going into the first fight as you are uh, going into the second, second, except with the knowledge that you know Tyson Fury can outbox him, you know that he can. You know there are many different ways to defeat him, and that if Deontay Wilder catches him, sure he can win, but the chance of that is pretty small, especially now that Tyson Fury's already been in there and is going to be wise to it. So, uh, you know, I didn't really know specifically what to expect going into uh, the rematch. I guess, but I think that we expected Tyson Fury to win. You know, any idea that Wilder would be the favorite going into here based on if you're looking at the first fight, kind of, kind of ridiculous, but I didn't think it was going to happen the way that we saw it. Basically, uh, personally, I thought Tyson Fury actually physically looked okay. Part of it was that, one, he probably trained much longer and much more disciplined than going into the first fight. But the other part of it was that he had his trunk pulled up a little bit, so you couldn't see his spare tire as well. True. But True. but he did look a little bit more solid. However, so did Deontay Wilder. You could see that Deontay Wilder was more muscular. The problem is that with a free-flowing puncher, as we know in boxing, that that's a hindrance. That's not helpful. When you're a free-flowing puncher, somebody who needs speed and accuracy, you need sleekness you know you need a different kind of dimension to you as anthony joshua has found out the hard way numerous times every single round in this fight tyson fury basically did a combination of outboxing De deontay wilder and just mauling the shit out of him just mauled him just didn't even care just you know pushed him around pushed his head down lost a point at at one point for it 
And Deontay Wilder couldn't do a thing. He looked sluggish. He looked like he had no resistance almost. Yeah, I mean, I, I I have Fury coming out, leading the dance, establishing a very strong jab. It, it's sharp. It's nasty. It can break a nose. An aggressive jab, yeah. Very aggressive, like making a statement with it. I can hurt you even with my jab. And um, lands a, Wilder lands a big right after a minute, but it doesn't do anything. Fury Fury's showing, I don't care. It's not going to deter me. You're not going to dictate here. Uh, it's my fight. And Wilder's balance remains absolutely terrible. <laughs> There's been very little improvement in that area. And Fury, meanwhile, has added a weapon in what he's willing to, to implement against Wilder. And it proves extremely effective in the next in this fight and, and the following fight, which is he throws that Lennox Lewis left-right, where the left is largely a decoy and the right is looping. And often he'll do it stepping so he creates a new angle as he's throwing it. So this lands and Wilder clearly does not like taking it. And he has absolutely no ability with his footwork or head move. He doesn't really have head head work, head movement, um, but it's hard for his punches to disrupt it. Um, so you got a big, big problem with this looping right that is landing at will it hurts he hurts Wilder with a straight right after that. And Wilder is just struggling, not trusting his offense because he's worried about getting countered. That's kind of new. We didn't really see that in the first round. Wilder was able to respond, and Fury was giving him a respect that that now is is, is changing. <laughs> so you you have Fury adding more pressure, and you're watching very noticeably that Wilder's energy is depleting through stress. He's stressed with what he's, with what he's confronting. Fury keeps coming forward and he has the benefit that his combinations are followed with his footwork. So he's built, bringing his balance with him. So the punches and footwork are in sync textbook, textbook stuff, rare to see in a heavyweight. And he's willing to switch up his stance, which, Wilder has no answer for he, he never dealt with anybody doing that in front of him before so the step in jab that he also adds which is kind of a new weapon didn't really do it in the first fight is devastating I think he hurts him at the end of the round with a step in jab uh, but Fury is looking very dominant and um, and in the second it's not much different Fury's jab is just earning more respect and another right hand from Deontay um well i mean let me hear your second run how did you see it change there um i my notes were in the first toward the end i just said fury has wilder measured and figured out in the first round and then in the second i said that wilder was backing up a whole lot of the round uh that he was still jabbing but backing up not really coming forward the way you would expect him to a strong jab from fury more right hands and that wilder looks sluggish he got clipped at the bell um, and then another thing that I noted was that Fury's right hand was coming in over Wilder's shoulder. And then that seemed to be landing toward kind of his ear temple area and was really just frying him. You know, he was just freezing him up. He kept he, the way that he was turned as he was throwing it. He was Wilder was just freezing up. You know, he's just getting caught like kind of he yeah. couldn't go anywhere. Um, and then that can so two rounds to zero for Fury pretty clearly, in my opinion. And then in round three, more strong jabs. He was clearly throwing them with bad intentions compared to the first fight. I said, 
um, and that Wilder was backing up and really unable to get anything going offensively. And then toward the end of the round, Fury pushing Wilder around inside, muscling him in the clinch. And then Fury landed right over Wilder's shoulder, more clinching, and then a glancing left and and a kind of right uh, behind the head or ear uh, put Wilder down. And he was up, but he was somewhat wobbly and immediately started looking toward the canvas and scratching, you know, putting his feet on things like, oh, I slipped on the, you know, canvas type of shit. Like, oh, what's down there type of thing. You know, you see fighters do that every so often. Like, oh, I fell. Like, No, he got punched. dude. <laughs> you know, it, it happens. Yeah. So we got three rounds to zip for Tyson Fury with a 10-8 round there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the second round shows this Fury u- utilizing his weight and strength advantage when he's leaning on Wilder and he kind of notices there's no consequence for doing it. Hmm, this is good. This is useful. Yep. Even when he's trying to gain back, even when Wilder is trying to, to suffocate an attack or anything like that, I can continue to make him bleed in essence and it's a um, little excessive in my opinion kenny oh, davis could have could have stepped in at any moment oh, no, and been like hey dude come no, on no 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 but question i mean i think you're going to see in the third fight where he gets a warning for putting him in a headlock and ward the first thing ward said is well if you're going to come in low i'm not gonna let you hit me of course i'm going to put you in a headlock like what what are you, what are you talking about fury i wouldn't classify i wouldn't classify fury as a dirty fighter but he is very interested in the intangibles, not just in the lead up to a fight, but within a fight um, as a way of asserting his, his dominance and his mental toughness over who's in front of him. And, and Wilder is very tough mentally. I mean, Wilder takes massive beatings in these three fights. I mean, I mean, you could argue he takes a worse beating in these three fights than what Bo took from Holyfield. And I don't know about you, but if you've seen Bo and I've seen him in person a few times, you know, he was not the same person by the age of 30. A couple of years ago, he would, he was putting out there that he'd tweet anything for 10 bucks on PayPal. So, you know what I'm saying? Like we're, yeah, no, no, he's in a, he's in a bad way. And you know, you, you don't know, you hope for the best for Wilder that that's not the case, but in terms of accumulation of, of damage, from the, from this trilogy, you could argue it 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 could it could equal or surpass what Bo took from Holyfield. O- obviously, Andrew Galata uh, helped that along with with two fights that maybe offered more damage. Jesus, when you rewatch those things, they're so brutal. Um, but yeah, Fury is way up, and I think at the end of this second round, there's a key moment where F- Fury lands two right hands, and Wilder looks stunned to me from from one of them, maybe both of them. Um, but the body language after that, it reminded me of what Leonard looked like after first fighting Duran, where you can see Duran watching Leonard and Leonard's just as tough as Leonard was tough as nails killer, but he was psyched out. He, he's clearly psyched that he admitted it later on. Like, I, I just, what is he doing? He's not supposed to be this way in the lead up to fights. He's not supposed to fight this way. What, what, I don't know how to deal with this. Uh, that's the feeling I get from, from Wilder's face. At, at this point, at the end of the round, you saw it with Foreman and Ali. Foreman had just never seen anything like that. I, I, he's not supposed to do this. Why isn't he following the script? Um, same thing with Tyson. You mentioned before when a guy gets up after you land a huge shot, it can completely psych you out. Watch Tyson's face when Douglas gets up at like the count of 13 or whatever. Um, the fight's over. The fight is just completely over. and You can just see it on Tyson's face. You're not supposed to do this. So, yeah, third round, Fury comes in hard 
to knock out Wilder. It's the most assertive he's been the, the, the entire uh, 15 rounds that they fought. And um, for an intimidator like Wilder to feel vulnerable, got to think that that is really taking away a lot of energy. And that's exactly where Fury is going. Go, go after the strength rather than the weakness is a very interesting psychological tactic to implement here. And um, you're seeing a lot of stress on Wilder's face and you're seeing a lot of confusion. I, how, how do I adjust to this? I don't, I don't know how to counterpunch particularly. So his identity has been flipped in public with somebody eager to dominate you um, and who is mentally tougher. And that's the question that, that I think Fury is asking him with every punch. Do you really think you're tougher than me? Do you really think that you can stand up to me for the remainder of this fight? Do you really want to be here as much as I do? Those, those are questions that are being asked every moment of this fight for Wilder. And you can feel it and you can see it just taking its toll. And there's a, a funny moment where Fury looks so alert and determined that as he's coming in at Wilder with these one-twos, um, it's like he's trying to club him like a caveman with a club to just to just put him on the ground. And uh, Wilder, as you mentioned, when he gets dropped, the first impulse is to complain. There's no legitimate thing to complain about. But again, it's that I can't I don't have the ability to be self-reliant to deal with this. I think that's very telling. And I think it's very telling that and we're going to have to revisit that in a minute, too, unfortunately. Yeah. Absolutely. You're going to see the weaknesses leak out with Wilder in a huge, in a diluted way, because he's not able to grapple with reality here. He can even watch the tape and it doesn't make any difference sort of thing. So the frustration on his face when he is knocked down, it's immediate frustration, complaining, bitching about what's happened to blank. He's back to using energy to cover how shitty he's feeling. We, we can't, no more backstage pass to the anxiety and stress that I'm dealing with. And um, Fury just glares at him. And uh, like as, as they pass each other on the way to their respective corners, it's a wonderful moment. But I think you have something established in terms of it, it's Fury's, yeah. Fury's fight to lose. And, and yeah. you can feel that, you know, Fury knows not just this fight, but I own you. I own you if we're if we're ever fighting, you cannot defeat me. Very Ali kind of thing that he was able to psychologically implant in opponents. I don't care what everybody else says or what your trainer says. You must believe my version mm -hmm. of this. And you yeah. can see Fury just has it. Before we I'm gonna push us along so we don't run out of time. Sure. But um one thing I did say in round four, immediately after that knockdown, my first note was would be great to hear Wilder's corner give instructions, but I won't say their names are screaming over them. <laughs> Literally, one of the commentators was going, his eyes bleeding, his eyes, his, his ear is bleeding, there's blood coming out of his ear. And it's like, I, I want to hear what they're saying. Shut the fuck up. What do you want the fuck? It's it was it was awful. It was terrible. Anyway. Going into round four, it was similar, except for one thing that I think that uh, Fury had achieved with those right hands was it seemed like he probably busted Wilder's eardrum because from that point on, from that knockdown on, Wilder's balance was even worse. You know, it, it wasn't just bad balance. It was he couldn't keep his balance. Like he was, yeah. 
you know, doing this shit like every time he hit the ropes, like anytime he's he grabbing took a, the ropes, he's trying to hold on to the rope. Yeah, yeah. At one point, he got to the ropes and was sitting there holding the ropes, and it's yeah. like he needs a cane. It it looked bad, and so round four, clearly Tyson Fury. You know, he's there's no slowing down. He's already got this well in hand and understands that this is his fight to lose, like you said. Yeah, and and the fifth round. I mean, I still have it for nothing easily, Fury. Fifth round, Fury lands that Lewis Raman combo again. That left beautiful left, and then a wide right immediately after the bell. But Kenny Bayless is kind of interrupting the flow of them in a way that is a little weird. He's like, really it, become a bad ref, dude. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. Um, Fury's deadly on the inside. I don't know how you're deadly on the inside with an 85 inch reach. It's it's a real testament to to his training. Um, and uh, on the inside, he just starts to learn better both going to the body but also just sneaking in this uppercut that becomes a real weapon against wilder because wilder's kind of trying to ducking away from things like duck into his shoulder and you're seeing fury kind of tucking the head and uppercut very lennox lewis move lewis used to do pushing them you know kind of wrestling them and it's it's a total foul to obviously punch somebody in a headlock. What Lewis used to do is break it up into two parts instead of one fluid motion, which would be the foul. Is he do one part thrusting you down, not a foul or semi foul, and then punch you? So it accomplishes exactly the same thing. Instead of I'm holding you down and then hitting you, in which case it would be a foul, and and you'd be fully right to disqualify for somebody doing that. Think of what he did to um, what's his name, Michael, the the huge guy that you mentioned. Yeah, Michael earlier. Grant. Yeah. Michael Grant, that's the way he knocked down. It's, it's beautiful knockdown, and he loved to do it as a combination. I mean, he did it to Tyson a fair bit as well, um, but it's a it's a very skillfully manipulated move, so it's not quite a foul kind of thing. Very clever. Um, so, yeah, fifth round. Um, you know, just Wilder is just in all kinds of trouble, and you have a body shot knockdown, which is more a momentum shot. I mean, it's it's more a balanced thing. <clears throat> yeah. It's not like he was hitting the solo plexus or liver. It's not some great yeah. shot. It's just the momentum carries him over. Um, and, you know, Bayless lets it go, which is, which is kind of interesting. I mean, Fury is just looking so composed. And um, Wilder did not land one punch uh, beyond a jab. I think in this round, which is pretty amazing, the level of dominance. And then Bayless um, d- deducted a point, which I thought was complete bullshit. So, I mean, it's five rounds to nothing, regardless of how you you implement that that point deducted. But I mean, just it's just fury in complete command at yeah. this point. And it seems like it's a matter of time, because as you say, it's not just that Wilder's off balance with his terrible footwork. Now it's clear there's an equilibrium issue and there's a fatigue issue and a stress issue. <laughs> and um, and Fury is helping this along. Yeah. With, uh, Very uphill battle. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I th- yeah, I, I didn't really understand the, the point deduction seemed fairly abrupt. Not that it wasn't necessarily warranted, but it almost felt like Tyson Fury was also kind of like, fuck it. I'll, I'll eat the point because I'm kicking this guy's ass so bad that I'm willing to eat the point just to prove a point. And that's kind of what he did in a way, you know, he's just, he's muscling Wilder around having his way. It's a nine, eight round. If you ask me, uh, you know, Fury clearly wins yeah. it, but loses a point uh, and, and gets the knockdown. But again, round six starts, 
Wilder off balance and not just normal off balance, but just, you know, he's, he's got something going on here and it's pretty clear, uh, you know, Wilder keeps going to the ropes too. So it's, it's like, he's not giving himself any chances here. He's not doing well. He's not, and it's not like he's luring fury into the ropes for a trap. He's going to the ropes and getting beaten up, pushed around, you know, smushed, mauled, etc. And that's kind of just fury's game. Fury takes a 10, nine in my, in a uh, round six, in my opinion, but like, you know, everything from this from especially the knockdown on everything that uh wilder is throwing is like there's almost no bad intention behind it almost everything has that quality to it that's that kind of like stay off me type punch not a not a like throwing through the target but like a, uh, uh, you know get get back you know type of shit 100%. And, 100%. and he and it doesn't work <laughs> no and and it, and it culminates in the seventh round where fury is just fully ready to close out the show. He's stalking uh, Wilder, who's completely out on his feet. And, and you can see he's just desperate. There's just no hope left that I can do anything to reverse reverse the course of this fight. And the towel comes in mercifully and, and skillfully. There's absolutely nothing wrong with this towel coming in. There's no reason for him to sustain more damage at this point. And... Um, and thankfully, Wilder recognizes that the the righteousness of the towel coming in and doesn't complain and is gracious in defeat and shows his character. No, this is exactly not what he does. It, at first, it seems like he's going to accept it. Like, he's like, what'd you do? What'd you do? Oh, OK. All right. I get it. Like, it seems yeah. like at first, like he's like, all right, I'm going to accept it. That's what it seemed like. Yeah, for a split second. But then after the fight, he blames yeah, no. Breland, fires Breland. Um Claims that Breland, with absolutely no evidence, spiked his water bottle. Not sure why you do that when you're making a percentage of the success of your fighter. And does he have any track record of anything contentious being Panama Lewis or something except Panama Lewis against his own guy, which is not any trainer that we've ever heard of, sabotaging their fighter? Okay, um, somehow Tyson Fury was scratching his ears scratching his ears okay um the black history month skeletor eyes wet shut costume that you know he's a martyr for black history month in doing that it wasn't an error in judgment or or a kind of tactical mistake there it's just he's standing up for something much bigger than himself yeah, he, willing he did to, that for you he did that for you for you um tyson fury had an egg-shaped weight in his glove, <laughs> which was never found, but uh, okay. And the last one is that Tyson Fury cast a gypsy curse against him, which accounted for his fatigue. <laughs> um, so these are all fascinating, but I think it's really egregious. Uh, the only thing I'm going to really dwell on, because we've got 15 more minutes here, is just Mark Breland has one of the most impeccable relation uh, reputations in the entire sport. And it's one of the most decent, kind people, as evidenced by what he did at the end of this fight. And to throw him under the bus that way is really, is really fucking disgusting. Yeah. And um, and I just, I, I don't know, I just, I think the ego of Wilder is just a, kind of a fragile thing. And, and, and that's what you're seeing. Yeah. And, you know, so we get a third fight, <laughs> October 3rd, 2021. 
And um, Fury comes in even heavier, 277. Wilder's 238. They're now 33 and 35 years old. And um, Fury finally is the favorite. You've had a lot of stuff in the heavyweight division that's been interesting, that's unfolded in terms of Joshua losing to Ruiz. I mean, closest the heavyweight division has had to, to Tyson Douglas, arguably. Um, Usyk has entered entered the fray. Um, and um, I don't know. It's just, it's a weird place for the sport to be in because, you know, you had a time where, where there were these three guys with, with Joshua Fury and Wilder who were all undefeated. You thought it could be like the nineties all over again in terms of just so many great fights to happen between these guys, but it's unfolded the way it has with some unexpected turns. And, and um, now it's sort of look, I, I think it's kind of eroding all of their legacies in a way of, in terms of, <laughs> We we thought their ceiling was much higher than they they actually turned out to be, and and there there are some sort of fugazis in the group, and I think wild. And not showed... only that, but we had to find that out against lesser fighters, and not even against each other. God damn it! Yeah, a- absolutely right, absolutely right. Um, so yeah, I mean, the beginning of this fight, it's hilarious to watch. You have Fury. I, I'm not saying I advocate this, but it is kind of funny to watch. But is just saying over and over again to Wilder, bitch, bitch ass. He's just calling him out. You can hear it as you watch the fight. And um, Wilder looks a little spooked by it. Wilder still, you can see like this isn't the most fun place for him to come back to. He's not showing up in this way as Roy Jones did against Montel Griffin in the second fight. Lewis did against Roman. You know, the way some guys come back after a defeat and they're better for it. Ali was the same way. Um, this is why there's a ledger in Tuscaloosa in the gym where, where, where Wilder trains, where you see very brief heavyweight champions and ones with real legacies. And he put himself in the category of legacy before the first Fury fight. I took a picture of it in the gym and he said, that's where we, that's where we're going to be with Holmes, with Ali, with all those people. I thought little premature. It's sort of like a restaurant asking Aim for high, you know, they provide Aim any high. service. No, 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 but but it's like it's a bribe rather than a tip. If I don't know how well you're going to serve me, how do I guess what I should tip you? Um, so he fell into a bit of that, and I mean, how did you see the first round unfold? Let's let's go through it fast. Well, well I had to somewhat quickly mute this too because I had to just laugh, dude. <laughs> I had to. Just, I'm not trying to be Mister Fucking, you know, connoisseur here, but. I had to laugh because the almost one of the very first comments out of the mouth of both Andre Ward and Brian Kenny in round one was, oh, wow, Wilder's jabbing to the body. He hasn't he hasn't started the fight out like that before. And I'm looking at my notes and both fight one and two say Wilder jabbing to the body. And I'm like, you fucking jerks. <laughs> so I, I muted it pretty quickly because that type of stuff just starts getting in my head. And then I start listening to him and I'm like, you know what? I just want to watch the fight. And, and perhaps it was my own bias for doing that. But I actually thought that rounds one and two Deontay Wilder did far better than I remembered him doing watching it live. Um, and that he, his jab, he was committing to it in a different way. He was jabbing. It looked like he was jabbing with purpose and not just trying to look for his right hand, although he was looking for his right hand. He's always looking for his right hand. That's his punch. But nonetheless, he wasn't just blindly throwing it and throwing it like an idiot. Like he wasn't just cocking it and going, let's woo, let her rip. He yeah. seemed like he was a little bit more controlled to me. 
And so I actually gave them both of the first two rounds. However, I also noted that they were both close rounds, that they were, you know, that they were competitive rounds. And also I will, I will uh, concede that because Wilder did better than he had before, I might be falling into that trap as far as scoring a little bit. Yeah, sort of like Sylvester Stallone in Copland deserves an Oscar because he's not absolutely as terrible as he's yeah. as an actor. Yeah, um, he's not just I, going. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I get, I made it an even round. I agree with you. I mean, wow, you punched to the body. What an unbelievable breakthrough in your training camp that somebody suggested yeah, going. The guys to the heavier body than ever. Punch him in the body. <laughs> so you threw through the body four or five times unbelievable intelligence what a game plan andre ward is marveling at at the game plan i mean okay and yeah it worked he's 270 pounds and you're punching at a wide target yep like like woo these guys need to be making 10 percent of your purse for for that kind of thinking my god what what tactical genius yeah you need to switch trainers for that i don't think you did but no right. no yeah I, I think mark breland knew how to jab to the body a little bit when he won the olympic medal and had one of the greatest amateur careers ever and, and became a world champion um but at the end of the first round fury lands another one of these one twos that seems to clearly hurt wilder and wilder just has this look on his face where he just becomes more limited in the expression that he can express because it's like he's experiencing some kind of trauma mentally. I mean, just be, or in a daze, you know, he's, he's dealing with subconcussive and concussive blows. It's not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. Um, and I'm not taking anything away from his chin. It's just, he's taking a lot of damage. He's getting hit by a 273 pound man. Second round Wilder, there's more jabs, but Fury is completely willing to walk in and is walking in while shifting his stance in that way that we talked about and just doing it to perfection. It, it's really beautiful to see a guy that size who's able to implement that against the danger of what Wilder can do. It's, it's amazing. And Wilder looks like he's walking around on stilts or, or standing on top of a rocking chair for all of his imbalance. It's, it's, it's bizarre that this guy, this guy played basketball at like a high level or was a wide receiver. Like, how did he run a pattern? With it, with his feet the way they are, it's it's bizarre. <laughs> to say, just watch his feet. Don't watch his gloves. Don't watch his face. Just watch his feet moving around the ring. I, I I don't even if you were trying to pretend to be him, I don't know how you do him if you had any background in boxing, whatsoever. Um, so I thought Fury comes back in the second round, and Fury's power isn't. I don't think it's about his strength so much. It's about the physics of just putting on that weight proved to be a really brilliant thing um, because he's so relaxed that he's getting more, more of his body weight into the punches and he doesn't really need to load up. And he implements it here. He does after Wilder when he has a fight and has a great knockout victory with an uppercut um, because he's able to just get into position to land great shots and he's heavy enough with enough speed that he can just drop anybody just with the basic physics of what a human jaw can take at that i don't think he could do that at the lighter weight so it's it's interesting i i i don't know who would have said you know what you should do is you should gain 25 pounds from what you thought was your best fighting weight in his case it worked and his conditioning isn't really compromised from it um and then just quickly going over the third round um the first 30 seconds is like a home run derby where both these guys are just swinging at each other it's extraordinary in terms of the swings that they're taking and every time wilder loads up 
Fury jabs to disrupt and knock him off balance. And sometimes he's pouncing. And then mid-round, there are some sh sharp shots that both guys are landing. It's one of my favorite rounds of the entire trilogy. And 37 seconds left, Fury drops Wilder. He's He looks hurt. He looks drained. The uppercuts are just, he doesn't know how to deal with them. And uh, Wilder is showing a lot of heart to hang on. There's no question. Uh, I think it's a huge element of what makes this trilogy so memorable for people is that he deserves credit for the heart that he shows. But as you look at the, the source of hope that he has, that he can get some kind of redemption in this fight, it, it, it is just losing yeah. light. It looks to be fading quickly, especially because the knockdown that Fury scores in round three, kind of like I was saying earlier, uh, Deontay Wilder is getting frozen up kind of like the way that he's standing. And then he, he goes down like stiff, like in, on this knockdown. And it looks like, oh, no, that it can't be. You know, he's not going to be able to go. So it looks like, you know, the end is really coming quickly. Um, but also, he actually, he seemed like he was doing fairly well before he ate the shots and went down. But that's how it goes. That's kind of like, you know, the opposite with Fury. And then yep. so going into round four, it's like, you know, yeah, I, I got to be honest, you know, it looks like Wilder's going down, dude. He doesn't look good. However, he does look a little less beaten up and rocked than in the other fights. Where in the other fights, he had this look on his face between rounds like, what the fuck? And in this one, he looks a little bit more like, okay, okay, you know, I've been here before. I don't like it, but I've been here before. But nonetheless, uh, one of the things that's happening also in round four is Russell Mora steps in and he's not allowing Tyson Fury to maul nearly as much. He's kind yeah. of forcing them out of clinches, making them fight. Uh, and then round four is kind of like when shit breaks out, dude. Round four, all of a sudden, you know, Tyson, or, uh, Deontay Wilder lands a really effortless right hand. It's just like he's not reaching back. He's not, ah! It's just kind of a boop, you know, a quick little right hand that uh, Tyson Fury absorbs and goes down, and it's deja vu. Here we go again. Oh, shit. You know, Deontay Wilder just needs to land, and it looks all of a sudden like he might be within reach of pulling this out. You know, Tyson Fury looks actually kind of dazed from this knockdown. He gets up, and he's like, whoa. You know, that I think the the element of surprise really got to him with this knockdown. He gets up, fights back, but then again, Deontay Wilder lands. And the the way that he's getting these knockdowns is just a, such a stark reminder of how dangerous he is on the turn of a dime, dude. Deontay Wilder, 10-7 in round four out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And, and it looks like he just has a rocket launcher on his shoulder that just shoots this thing out. It's amazing. Because it, as I say, even when you're watching him do it, sparring, it there's just no nothing else that he does that doesn't look awful and then this thing comes out as one of the great things you've ever seen ever being around boxing in your life and and he possesses these two extremes it's so bizarre i don't know how yeah kapa exactly and um you know you have this delayed fall of fury i mean he's dinged but he's up in game and i just know from you know, when fighters are looking at another guy, they're trying to ask, I need to break your will in order to just bolster my own insecurity about where this might go. You know, you're worried about all kinds of things that have happened. You've seen all kinds of terrible things happen to you in sparring and fights you've had and, and all that kind of thing. I, I need to focus on the opponent in front of me that they that I'm eroding their willpower and determination to be here. That is just not happening with Fury's face. 
You just never see him give up for a second. He's never flinching. And um, it, it, it's fascinating that he could, you know, after all of that success, then to be caught and he gets up and it's like, okay, my equilibrium is a little shot. And Wilder comes in wild to close. But there's even a moment where Fury counters once with a big shot. And um, <clears throat> and then he gets hit and uh, goes down again, gets up, bell tolls. And Wilder has this great moment where he winks at him. That's as far as he goes. Like the only understated thing that I've ever seen Wilder do ever that I'm kind of like, that was awesome, is just a little wink. Fuck you. I'm still here. It's like the one like effective um intimidating gesture to do it's it's a magical little moment i've never seen it before this little wink he does just as he goes off to his corner fifth and sixth round wilder is coming in throwing bombs <laughs> within the first 30 seconds fury is is really regained his composure he's jabbing he's he's begin beginning to turn the jabs into hooks that are landing and clearly hurting wilder um wilder looks like he's standing on a rocking chair as, as he's sort of trying to get away from things. Wilder loses his balance after every one-two that he's throwing, and Fury begins to land big and, and regain becoming the aggressor until Wilder scores a right, but Fury turns off of it. So he takes off. It could have knocked him out. It is like it was a huge shot that's landed, but he just had the presence of mind and the instinct to just to get away from it. So it's an interesting little moment. And it's just such a fun round because there's just the the action is seesawing so violently, the way it's flipping. Where who is going to take control? And Wilder is is all in, finally, just just able to assert himself to try to claim who the boss is, which which he's been denied, because Fury is not as defensively responsible in this fight as he was in the previous two. Mm -hmm. So there's there's an opportunity that we've just seen with the knockdown. Um, end of round Wilder score Wilder's body language just looks vulnerable is is what I had. Um, and so it's a really close round, maybe maybe an even round or a wilder round with how I scored it. Sixth round, first minute is like two cavemen trying to club each other in the head. Comes <clears throat> really basic, the back and forth, but it's very exciting because you know at this point there's enough fatigue here, there's been enough back and forth that. If anybody lands something clean that the other doesn't see coming, it's over. So the drama just couldn't, you couldn't have it more dialed up. Just the back and forth, the battle of the will. Fury is throwing more. He's boxing more. Has the longer reach, but Wilder's right hand clearly is more deadly as an equalizer, but it's also more draining for him to throw. So it's, it's the fascinating round and it, it ends on the ropes uh, with a clinch and Fury is just continuing to press. But at this point, I almost have the fight even in terms of rounds. So, yeah, yeah. It, I had at the end of round six, Wilder is walking to his corner, his mouth is bleeding, and Fury ended the round apparently thinking that he had Wilder hurt. Uh, Wilder's right eye also swelling up a little bit. So, we're starting to kind of stare down the barrel of Wilder's getting beaten up here. And round seven is really a continuation of that. I actually scored round seven, 10, eight for Fury because I thought that uh, Wilder really started getting beaten up, even though Russell Mora uh, was not allowing nearly as much rough stuff inside, which also kind of opened the door for Deontay Wilder to do better inside work than he was in the first two fights. Nonetheless, he started just getting pushed around, mauled, beaten up. Tyson Fury's one, two was really working overtime and he couldn't miss with it. 
Um, and fatigue was starting to set in for Deontay Wilder here too. Uh, that extra weight, not helping him. You know, it might be helping him with his punching power, but it's not helping him get through these long, you know, long rounds and a long fight. I had round seven, 10, eight. Yeah, me too. And uh, Wilder just looks drunk with punishment at this point. He's just walking out like a drunk out of a bar. And it's dangerous at this point. You know, like you're you're at that point where you're, baseline level is drunk you know if you're a corner you got to think about throwing in the towel at this point given which which i'm sorry to interrupt but he made explicit like he he like went into great detail before this third fight he was like my corner will get fucking shot if anybody stops this fight i they are not to stop this fight i will die yeah big man big 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 man to go that way when you've got eight kids and you're and one that one is extremely special needs and yeah. needs your you know help yeah. but nonetheless yeah what do they say what is a man not willing to die for a cause but willing to humbly live for a cause is the true measure of a man um so yeah eighth, eighth round wilder is backed up again he's wobbly he's being smothered after taking punishment all the time theories is pouring it on um wilder's still trying to land but just really just has the one shot doesn't it's doesn't, becoming about bravery at this point you know it, it is and the ref is interfering in a way that is really working in his favor i, I don't know what, what the logic is of why he's interfering other than to sort of keep the fight going in a weird way it, it, it's, it's yeah it's, you're not helping him <laughs> no it's frustrating um fury's just landing big shots wilder's hurt he looks fatigued brian kenny with his canned commentary is tremendously annoying me as i'm watching this um and um fury is just finally makes wilder miss and lands a knockout shot uh sorry he he misses a knockout shot there's an opportunity where wilder swings big and fury turns and there's a clear opening with wilder's hands down and he's unable to seize the moment it's uh it's it's really interesting what what happens there but um yeah just it's it's all fury and then just just to get us get us to this kind of conclusion um why don't you just give us the ninth round and then we can close it out yeah ninth round uh you know unfortunately was not really much of a difference fury is mostly pushing uh again wilder's trying he is in there and he's fighting back he's doing what he can it's just that what he can is not a lot you know uh fury is wise to what he's trying to do not much is happening for Wilder offensively. I gave it a pretty clear Tyson Fury round 10-9. He's not beating the crap out of Wilder, but he's breaking him down. And Wilder is not skilled enough to dig deep or come up with some other plan or something. It's essentially just Wilder getting beaten up here. Um, Wilder's trying. He's just not there. Yeah. Um, you know, just huge, huge heart on the part of Wilder, which is what's making just for this- sure. Uh, so so powerful because I mean you're you're seeing as was said with kind of the thrill in Manila that suddenly the fight becomes more important than life or death and you know it's not Frazier and Ali so like that's the other thing is is it 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 doesn't represent that it's not white America and black America the way the first fight was and all you know Vietnam and and all of this backdrop I don't know that there's any really meaningful backdrop to this fight in terms of like on a sociological level that people are, are caring. We're caring just because of the rivalry. 
of two guys trying to trying to win the championship of each other, as was as said with Ali and Frazier. Um, but it's enough. Which you is, know, I mean, in in a way, it's a little bit more pure too. You it know, is, like it is. It is that it doesn't need, you know, Ali calling Frazier an ape and and like all this racial animus that just was fucking. It's disgusting to go back and watch this stuff. Um, but this this fight doesn't really have it other than the two guys who just don't like each other and are getting in a fight. You know, it's as, it's as basic as that, and yet it, it, it's enough. It works. Why? Because the fight itself doesn't need Floyd Mayweather selling the fight. It's just the fight itself sells it because the rivalry is there, the risks are there, and the way they're fighting, the heart, all, all of that is just phenomenal. Tenth round, Fury is just landing huge combos after 30 seconds, more pressure, mental and physical on, on Wilder, where you're just, how is he standing up? Mid-round, Fury has literally doubled the landed punches that Wilder has been able to muster. Wilder's out on his feet. He misses big and Fury lands this roundhouse right. You know, something that's going to be replayed forever. Because <clears throat> it's it's a tremendous moment. The drama is there. And Wilder has made it dramatic because of all he's done before and being able to drop Fury and everything. So it's a culmination of a lot, which which is, it's just powerful and dramatic. And Wilder is barely there on his feet, but he gets up again. And Fury just has this look like Ali did against um, Foreman that destiny's already decided this. And I, I heard what the outcome is. So I'm, I'm on my way to meet that. And um, Fury lands this uppercut. It keeps Wilder up. There's so many moments. I remember watching this at the fight late at night. I took a bicycle to Brooklyn to watch this and, and in a movie theater. Everybody's going apeshit. Um, is that there were so many times where Wilder looked like he was going to fall down, but that Fury kept him up, where the ropes kept him up. If I'm a referee, yeah. I would give him an eight count. Yeah. Like, or he was oh. like kind of smothering his work, or he was, yeah. and Fury looked tired too. He got a little sloppy because, you know, exhaustion setting in. It's round 10. Yeah. And, and at the end of the 10th round, out of nowhere, Wilder rallies with some incredible shots where you thought, Jesus, he might have dropped them there. I mean, where did this come from? sort of thing so let's go out on the 11th round how did you see it so fury rocks wilder back strong jab wilder walks into another you know uh really hard jab out of a clinch but at this point wilder's eating jabs and is like you know all over the place doing this stuff from just eating jabs uh you know he's trying to fight inside but his legs are just gone his legs are totally gone right hand from fury on the ropes uh while they're fighting on just pure heart i said fury gets wilder to the ropes again mauls him uh, lands a couple right hands and then Wilder's kind of like pitching all over the place Fury follows him lands just an absolutely massive right hand that I mean you know Tyson Fury's not a big puncher we already talked about this but extra weight he's stepping into it he's being a little more aggressive in fights two and three and he knows how to get to Wilder and he does and I mean you know I have to admit, dude, like I, I didn't like cry or anything like that, but it was like an emotional moment because it felt like number one, this is the culmination of three fights. Number two, you know, uh, Wilder was so, he was making so many excuses for himself as you would imagine any, any elite athlete would, but he was making so many excuses for himself and was like, I'm, I'm going to be willing to die. Look, he got the shit kicked out of him in this third fight, still managed to drop fury twice you know, yeah. fought back with heart, 
gave a good account of himself and he gave everything he had and it wasn't enough, but it was like, that's okay. You know what I'm saying? And so for me, when that finally came, I was just like, oh shit. You know, it was a big release, dude. It was a, it was a, some of the fight was the good moments were really good. And so the end of this third fight was definitely, it was good. It was nice. It was big. Yeah. I mean, I remember, remember a long time ago seeing, you know, going into boxing, the first thing they tell you is the most dangerous punch is the one you don't see. That's kind of the golden rule. I mean, protect yourself at all times. But after that, make sure your 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 hands are don't up. Don't sign with Don King too. That's the other yeah, one. Don't sign with Don King. That's probably that's probably a bad idea. But the most tragic punch in boxing, I learned, you, you know, it took a while until you see it. Is it's the punch that the guy does see, but there's no way to get out of the way. And that's what we see as the closure of this incredible trilogy. <laughs> is they've given everything they have. And Wilder doesn't have anything left to get out of the way of this tremendous shot. And that's what closes it out. And because we've gone through this incredible roller coaster of everything that led up to it, the the you know, the gestalt of this fight is far more than 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 its parts, you know, because you you kind of have everything. And I I I would, you know, I really like Bo. And Holyfield, even though I hate Holyfield and I'm not particularly a fan of Bo, but like it's just what they gave is incredible to watch that fight. But this has more twists and turns. Like, like I mentioned, like this is this is the JFK assassination of plot line of just how many twists there are back and forth. Um, it's just it's just fun to go through this ride because um while you were actually watching in the lead up to them, just nobody saw these coming. And they're they're all distinctly interesting, fascinating chapters, all three of them. And you have, you know, great energy and anticipation going into it with two undefeated guys. And with with the ending, Wilder had amazing moments. There's many moments where it could have gone the other way kind of thing, even though Fury dominated the vast majority of all the rounds of the 31 rounds that they fought or the 30 rounds that they fought rather. Um, but you know, it's it's just it's it's a it's a magical trilogy. I think, even though I'm not a big fan of either guy particularly, uh, but I just think they just have chemistry, and and that's something that I really like in in boxing. Is as we see, there's nothing like Gaddy Ward individually. Yeah, War. I mean, Gaddy was a fighter of the year a number of times, but who saw that coming in the lead up? No, nobody ever anticipated that Ward would be able to be that next to him uh i think there was more expectation in this but it just surpassed very very high expectations and then the next one would have more expectations it surpassed them and then the third one did the same thing not a lot of examples of that in in our sport where when our sport is as good as it can be it's it makes every other sport look a little silly and and this trilogy is one of those reasons why i think for sure it's it's definitely one of uh both all three fights Less so the second, but the first and third, especially just uh, a treat in recent years, which I can appreciate. You know, the you had we had Ali Frazier got the Thrilla in Manila. This one is the Trilla G in mediocre 
Crilogy. No, I don't know. I'm trying to put something <laughs> together there. It's not working. But look, dude, it was a lot of fun. Um, I thought it was going to be a slog, kind of like kind of like Ollie Fraser and whatnot. I was like, oh, no, this is not. No, it wasn't that bad. It honestly wasn't that bad. There were the fun moments made it real fun. So I appreciate you taking the time, dude, because I know there's a little bit of homework, a little bit. No, it was a fun one. It, 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 it maintained a level of excitement throughout it that I don't think has been there with any of the rematches or trilogies that we've ever done. And and that's that's what I think sustains the vitality of this as something so special. Although, as we point out, it's not as historically as important as people are, are saying it is because of the stature of the two guys, I think, is dramatically inflated. And I think it will just take time to to have perspective and erode the the, the recency bias. But in terms of the chemistry of it, absolutely matches up with anything. Yeah. I agree. It was a lot of fun. So I, I do Except appreciate maybe Bobby it. Chez. No, Bobby Chez, his, uh, his series with, uh, Denza. yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Let's get him. Let's get him another series. Why not? we got a, something to compare to pretty wilder. Give him no, like another not. Menza application in there. I want to see that in, go toe to toe with, you know, fluid intelligence and pattern recognition. Come on, Bobby. Come on, yeah. Chappie. Bobby versus the little bag dispenser, you know. Bobby gets his men's a towel. <laughs> we love him, Bobby. We love you. Look, Bryn, I appreciate it, man. Stay hey, everybody, <laughs> yeah, did drive safely, everybody. Uh, I appreciate you, dude, doing the work, and everybody who listened in, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Whatever podcast app you listened in through, go ahead and subscribe, leave us a rating review. We appreciate that. If you watched on YouTube, subscribe there. Leave a comment. Try to say hi. As far as social media goes, the Knuckles and Gloves podcast is on both Facebook and Instagram. We're also on Twitter as long as Twitter is still a thing. Have to see. It's a day-to-day thing. We're just kind of changing day-to-day. But Knuckles and Gloves podcast is there. So is Bryn Jonathan Butler as Brynicio, B-R-I-N-I-C-I-O. Me, Patrick Connor. I'm there as Patrick M. Connor. Say hello. Bryn, we'll talk soon, bro. Thanks, man. This was fun. Later, everybody. 